Hello and welcome back to another episode of After This, the greatest unification podcast on the entire internet by virtue and default, I'm pretty sure. Um, so my name is Daniel. I'm obviously the regular host, but this time I have some very different people here with me. Um, not my regular co-host or anyone else has been on before. I have Bob Flax and Donna Park of CGS in America. So um, that is Citizens of Global Solutions. Uh, but I'm going to basically just hand it over to you guys and um, you can can introduce yourselves and just say what CGS is and, and just explain it in whatever words you'd like to explain it in. So uh, I'm going to pick on you first, Bob. You, um, you jump on. <laughs> okay. Um, well, as you said, Daniel, first of all, thank you. And, um, no worries. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's fun to be speaking, uh, you know, from uh, a little north of San Francisco uh, to Australia uh, <laughs> across the bridge like this. Yeah. So my name is my name is Bob Flax. I'm the executive director of Citizens for Global Solutions. Hmm. Essentially, Citizens for Global Solutions is um, well. I should say we're um, we're 73 years old now. Wow. Uh, we're getting ready for our 75th anniversary, and we were born uh, just after World War II, along with the World Federalist Movement. I was going to say, it must be like the same age then. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We Actually, are. technically. Wow. Um, we were, um, our organization was technically born a few months before um, there was a big conference in uh, Montreux, Switzerland, um, mm. where the World Federalist Movement itself got born. So, yep. but we're the same, we're the same year. So we yep. had, we had our, <laughs> our, our birthdays are in the same year. So, uh, <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, so we're, we're the main United States organization mm -hmm. uh, that's part of the World Federalist Movement. Yeah. Uh, depending how you count it, there are anywhere between 15 to 20 or 30 organizations around the world that are part mm. of this network. Uh, we're a nonprofit affiliated with the UN. Um, and as I said, the, the main U.S. Uh, World Federalist organization Um as far as um, I, I myself is concerned, um, I'm originally a psychologist, mm -hmm. and um, and I consider um, this global governance work essentially my, my third career. Yeah. Um, as I said, I started as a psychologist working in hospitals, clinics, agencies, and private practice. Mm. Uh, then from there, I, I got interested in, rather than only working with individuals, I got interested in larger systems mm, and I yep. went back to school, uh, got training in organization development, conflict resolution, uh, things of that sort and started working with, you know, from small nonprofits to large corporations. Mm. And then mm. in, in, in that process, I learned about this weird global governance thing <laughs> um, and started attending some meetings of a local organization uh, mm. near me and then through them found out about Citizens for Global Solutions, went on the board, um, eventually became the executive director mm. and have since done a lot of training also in global affairs and, and global governance issues. Mm. So that's, uh, that's kind of me. <laughs> so you said there was uh, another uh, organization that you were in that put you in touch yes. with CGS. So, so are there yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of little uh, ones as well? Well, I, I, I wouldn't say there are a lot, uh, but they're, they're, you could probably count them on one hand in the United States. This particular one is, is based in San Francisco uh, called the Democratic World Federalists. Oh, yeah. And they, yep. um, they essentially were um, an offshoot. They were, the northern, they were once the Northern California chapter. Mm. Uh, of, of our organization, 
and they broke off about a decade or almost two decades ago. Yeah. Okay. Right. That makes sense. All right, Donna. <laughs> Hi. Thanks for having me too. This is really fun to do. My <laughs> no second podcast. My second podcast ever, so uh, I, don't, I feel like an old hand, sort of. <laughs> You're um, a veteran now. So I, yeah, right. Uh, so I am um, the chair of the board of the Citizens for Global Solutions Education Fund. Mm. Um, I live in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, in my previous life, I I have degrees in mathematics, a bachelor and a master's in mathematics, wow. with a concentration in statistics. Mm. And I started working out in the global pharmaceutical industry in statistics, then moved over to data management, where I uh, worked on systems to build global data management systems for handling clinical trial data. Now everybody okay. knows what clinical trials are with the vaccines <laughs> going on. Yeah. Um, and then after many years there, I uh, then went on to document management and worked in regulatory operations where we put together submissions for um, global regulatory submissions to get drugs approved for marketing. So that's mm. my work background. Yep. When I, I got to retire er, relatively early right, and okay. um, Lucky. <laughs> uh, decided I was going to look around to figure out what to do with the next chapter of my life. Mm. And I read a couple books, um, one uh, by Jerry Tiedelman and Byron Belitzos, uh, and they have ties to the Democratic World Federalist small world. Um, and another by um, Ben Ferenz called Planethood. Anyway, I read these two books and went, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. Like, how come I never heard about this? Because I had never heard about World Federation. Mm. And I was not young at the time. Yeah. So I decided um, we, I was with how a small How long ago was this, just for context? This was 10 years ago. Okay. 10 years yep. ago. Uh, just about, yeah, maybe eleven, roughly. And um, I was, I was reading the books with a small group, um, actually from my church in Cincinnati, mm -hmm. and um, we looked around to find where were the World Federalists, um, and found out that the World Federalist Association was now Citizens for Global Solutions, and yep. we decided we went off to an annual meeting and liked what. We were wondered why they weren't talking enough about World Federation, but but we still thought they were interesting people, and so mm. we started a chapter. I started we uh, my friends and I started a Cincinnati chapter, and then yeah, one thing led to another, and I got more and more involved in the national. Yeah. So anyway. that's awesome. So that's my personal background. So how so. long ago did you get involved, Bob? Would you say with um, CGS? Uh, um. Well, geez, CGS is probably a little less than 10 years, I would think. Okay. Uh, you and, guys and both sort of uh, came in around the same time. We yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the new phalanx generation of CGS together. More or less. It's <laughs> uh, awesome. No, I sort of like, it sort of gets onto my other question, which was, um, and I guess there's still more to ask about it, but it was, how did you get into world federalism in the first place? And you've sort of answered it, but. Was there anything in particular at the beginning that sort of just grabbed you immediately? Um, anything that spoke to you? Because obviously this is something we're always trying to deal with in this movement is people who are going from nothing to something, you know? They're like most of the public doesn't even know what this is, isn't really familiar with it. And it's those people who are going from no knowledge to some knowledge and how they get pulled into it in the first place. 
So would you be able to say roughly what it is maybe that immediately grabbed you at first? Like, do you remember the first sort of step in that? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I, I could speak to that. Um, cool. Yeah, yeah for, for me, I mean, it, it really ties back to my background as a psychologist. Okay. Uh, and, and as, you know, I'm sure all your listeners know, you know, mm. psychologists deal with human suffering. Mm. Uh, but we do it on an individual level or maybe with a couple or a family or what have you. Um, but after doing that for a number of years, it mm. really started to feel small, you know, yeah, very confined. And, um, and then I, I, was, I, I happened to work for 16 years in the California prison system. Mm. And in the, from there, I, I was really struck by how, you know, suffering isn't only caused by uh, individual psychopathology, it's also caused by large systems. And as yeah. far as I'm concerned in the prison system, everyone's suffering. It doesn't matter what side of the bars you're on. I mean, mm. it's a system that is generally very corrosive to the human soul. Mm. So it really kind of opened my eyes to look at system, look at suffering rather on a systems level. Yeah. And that's when I initially went back to school and got you know, another degree in organization development and was kind of walking around looking at how do I kind of confront suffering on, on, a, on a systems level, you know? Mm. And, and then after doing consulting work and all, that's when I heard about World Federation. Yeah. And it kind of struck me that, wow, this is a way to confront suffering on a global scale. Yeah, absolutely. You know? so, so, so for me, even though kind of my, my three careers might look very different, the thread that that ties them all together was mm. confronting human suffering. Right. Um, okay. Yep. So, um, so that's what did it for me. That's what brought me along. But just now doing it on larger and larger levels. Of course. I mean, I mean, that's that's it's fascinating because I think um, I'll ask you for yours, Donna, in a second. So <laughs> don't worry, I'll still ambush you. But um, the um, the the note about going from small to kind of large systemic thinking. I think I had a similar thing when I was going through university. So this would have been back in 2007, 2006. Mm -hmm. I was um, doing a, it was like the first year of university. And it's when they let you do like everything at once because you're not mm -hmm. sure what you want to do exactly in terms of majors. And I was doing a criminology class and a political science mm -hmm. class at the same time. And it was always like, you'd go to criminology and it would always be about this one person, this one thing that happened to one thing with one case. And then you go to political science, it was all systemic thinking. And you can kind of see how one thing played into the other that this one person that you could you could address the laws and whatever it is or this, the case that I'm around is one person but ultimately you learned about this system in place that has these much larger problems that are all just unconsciously creating these horrible situations mm -hmm. and um I think that sort of dragged me out of criminology because I was like look this isn't this is like all symptomatic stuff this is where all the actual issues are. So then you start going over more and more. And I think it was very similar. So it's not psychological, my one, but it was just um, very similar experience in terms of saying the real problems are systemic rather than um, yeah. individual, I guess. Uh, even yeah. though sort of both, but definitely more. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, swimming, it's swimming upstream to look for root causes yeah. rather than, as you said, the symptoms that come out of them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that kind of thinking is where I think a lot of us came to in the end, which is like, mm -hmm. if we can fix these things, it'll downstream all these solutions mm -hmm. to everything else. Um, anyway, Donna, please, please go ahead. 
So I think what got me, I'm, I'm a long-term, a long-time person who is against war. Mm. Um, I'm against violence of all kinds. I, I'm, if I'm almost embarrassed. I can't li- really watch violent TV shows or movies. I just can't handle it. Yeah, and, and I became of, I, <clears throat> I became of age during the Vietnam war. Mm. So especially with the Vietnam war, I was really, really against war. Mm. And um, when I read these two books, Planethood and uh, One World Democracy, okay. and realized that there was a way to eliminate the military, the war system, and yep. solve our problems in a court of law, it was like, it was like, oh my gosh, why haven't I heard of this? Why yep. aren't people demanding this? <laughs> and and then. Also, as you read about the amount of money we spend on military yeah. and how if you could redirect that money to help to alleviate suffering, to, mm. to buy food and housing and deal with the, the, the serious poverty going on and, mm. and health issues. And there's just so much. I mean, it just seems to make so much logical I mean, it, sense. It goes that, beyond the military as well. I mean, it's, it's the amount of money that's lost doing strategic like decisions on a national scale so right it's like you might not want to it was a big problem that the u.s had for a long time is that they had to keep dealing with saudi arabia even when they were doing obviously horrible things to some of their people is that they couldn't really call them out because they needed oil from them because they couldn't get it from someone else like it's just it forces so many horrible things to happen and so much kind of like i don't know machiavellian arithmetic to go on in people's minds because it's all life or death all the time. So it's all like sending mm-hmm. war and like the other thing is obviously governments. I mean, how much time do they spend thinking about what's that guy doing rather than fixing a problem? Like how much of the daily thinking is just what is that country over there up to, you know, like how much of the mental mm-hmm. process is dominated by that rather than solving problems. It's um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree. Massively mm-hmm. inefficient and horrifying. Right. Yeah. And you can't, we're trying to solve problems at the wrong level. You know, mm. you just can't solve global problems at the national level. It's just no. impossible. I'll, I'll say one other piece of my background and how, what yeah, brought me to it. it. I mentioned I was in a small group of people from my church. So so I'm I'm a Catholic, a progressive Catholic, mm-hmm. and one of the best kept secrets of the Catholic Church is our Catholic social teaching, mm. and um, and a focus on caring for the poor mm. and the idea of subsidiarity, where you deal with the problem at the lowest possible level, and um, and our Pope Francis, who is a breath mm. of fresh air, yeah. um, just issued an encyclical called Fratelli Tutti in which he actually calls for a public authority for the world community, which were the words John the 23rd used, Pope John the 23rd, back in 1963 in his encyclical, Peace on Earth. So anyway, so there's sort of this kind of, um, I don't know, it's a piece of my, you know, my relationship with God. Yeah, the Catholicism really plays into it strongly, yeah. Yeah, it does. It really does. That's awesome. You know. And there's probably anyway. a lot of people that are in exactly the same situation. I mean, that's the thing. It, it's it's learning where people come from, you know, like learning where people get into this from and what makes them believe in it in the first place. That's where you're really going to win people over and make the case. And I think there's probably a lot of people in exactly the same situation as you're in. Um, and it's, you know, it's worth... I hope so. It's, it's, it's worth speaking the right language to a lot of these people. 
Um, <laughs> so yeah, no, totally agree. And obviously Pope Francis is a great example of exactly what you're talking about. So like, I'm sure you're not alone. Um, so, okay, great. Well, thank you. Those are excellent answers. So I've got more questions for both of you. Um, so in the history of kind of the wider WFM movement and everything you've seen and been involved with so far, have you seen anything in particular that seemed to have the greatest positive effect, I guess, like any, any initiative that any organization did, any marketing thing, any event that they did, anything that you've seen and said that worked really well, um, that's worth remembering and doing again in the future. Is, is anything jumped to mind that maybe you've been involved with or seen or heard about? Because obviously you guys have been in this a lot longer than I have, so I don't. <laughs> if you Bob, can... do you have anything you want yeah, to say? Yeah. Or... Well, uh, well, I'll, I'll say two things, or maybe three. Um, yeah, go. One, of course. I mean, it, it, it depends in a sense how you um, kind of look lo look at that question. So, on, on one mm. level, if you look at the the greater accomplishments of the movement, mm -hmm. I think it's pretty undisputed. Uh, that the creation of the International Criminal Court uh, mm. is the greatest single accomplishment mm -hmm. uh, of the movement, and the um, and and I guess I should say that that there you know there is the the long term vision of the movement of having a democratic world federation, but mm. there are the the kind of short term goals as well, which mm. is to support, which is to create and support global institutions, mm. and to create and support international law. Uh, that that helps address global problems better than we're doing currently. Yeah, so definitely. in the in the sh more short term, um, you know, the ICC is there, you know, the the, the greatest achievement. Yeah, absolutely. In addition to that, there have been a number of other things like the responsibility to protect mm. um, and, and other initiatives that they launched. So that's kind of mm. one level. But if you're looking instead at like specific programs or activities or things i'm not even talking stuff. about just the wfm i mean every single organization oh, in yeah. the movement yeah, yeah, itself yeah, yeah. rather yeah. than just the organization so just yeah. anything you've seen that's worked really well and you've been like we need to do more of that thing yeah <clears throat> well I, I i think again i'm just kind of thinking out loud now i didn't know of course perfect that's what but i like the, um, yeah. <laughs> but certainly it, it's been really amazing to see what's been happening over this past six months with the pandemic uh, mm. There has been more, um, you know, Zoom conferences, you know, everything else has been canceled. And we, we've had more, I think, great exchanges uh, mm. between people that would be difficult to do if we just had something, you know, where people flew in and we had less interaction from other perspectives around the world. Mm. So I don't know totally how that will be harnessed. Uh, but that's certainly one thing that we've all noticed. We had our own um, annual convention, uh, you know, b back in November last month. Mm. And people who were, who were involved <laughs> with us way longer than Donna and I, mm. uh, you know, one of our board members said, I've been doing this stuff for 30 years and this is the best convention we've ever had. You know? yeah. So I think the ability to network like this has been mm. terrific. That's one thing. Another thing, and, and I must credit mm. you for being a major part of this, um, is to push more for video. Mm. Um, that's so much of the movement, mm. if you go back to the beginning, has been about the printed word. Uh, mm. The scholarly books, the articles, 
um, you know, the various kinds of papers that get published. Yeah. So really moving on to video uh, is a very powerful and, mm. um, and you know, way of, of approaching people and getting uh, inclusion and involvement. Yeah, so those, those That's kind of the, the first level. Uh, mm. that comes to mind um, in mm. response to your question. Oh, yeah, so, like, I mean, Donna it's like, yeah. it's like an ahead. uptick in meaningful communication, I guess, like, like having mm. a lot more um, sort of constant communication, like ways for people to talk about things between the organizations all the time. Um, I guess that's kind of what John's been trying to do with the working group as well. And this coalition idea is to really um, bring this energy that we've sort of had this past year in terms of being able to talk to each other all the time and make things happen and just keep it going. Um, and yeah, no, th thank you for the credit on the video, by the way, I think um, you're right that a lot of the public and the people we're trying to persuade, I think maybe 5%, if I'm being generous, are actually going to read stuff and read mm. extensive articles and scholarly stuff like that stuff is uh, that's targeting a certain kind of person. Um, mm. Whereas, yeah, 95% of the public, probably more even, um, is more interested in things they can quickly process and just buy into emotionally and then sort of rationalize it and understand it more once they're kind of like, this is inspiring. Um, yeah, anyway, sorry, Donna. So beyond the things Bob mentions, I'll mm. mention three things. No, go. So yeah, one awesome. is... But in terms of what what I what I've seen that it that I want to support or see mm. more of mm -hmm. is I can't say enough about how impressed I am with Andreas Bummel mm. and his um, his leadership around the UN Parliamentary Assembly and mm, getting absolutely. you know parliamentarians from around the world and and um, you know so I I feel like he's yeah. a real model and um, light and somebody that I know we at CGS like to support as much as we possibly can because mm. we support what he's doing. Definitely. Um, yeah. <laughs> an another thing I'll mention is, is actually um, at CGS, we've had amazing success with a model UN plus, we call it model UN plus program. Okay. And what, so it's, it's where we went into a regular model UN, but mm. introduced a new module that would teach um, the students uh, um, an alternative way. And mm -hmm. so we used um, an idea. So, and what's cool about this is that we learned from our mistake. So okay. the first time we, we based our model, our program, the extra model on a book by Joe Schwartzberg called Transforming the UN System Designs for a Workable World. Mm -hmm. And we went in the first time using his weighted voting that was, his idea that the general assembly should use weighted voting that took into account the number of people in the world, as well as the percentage of the UN budget that people paid. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so we introduced that first and that that would be a better way, a more legitimate way to, to make law that mm. it's really hard to make enforceable world law. If every nation has one vote and that's it, and it just isn't democratic or mm. anyway, so yeah. the students, the first time around, the students went, well, this is kind of interesting, but this doesn't really matter. What matters is the Security Council. Mm. And so we went away and said, oh, Joe's got a plan for that, too. <laughs> and uh, someone developed a module that would explain Joe's idea on how to transform the Security Council so that there was regional representation 
Every person mm-hmm. on the earth is represented at the Security Council. Mm-hmm. You eliminate the veto and replace it with weighted voting. And the students just ate it up and they couldn't believe how well it worked because they, mm. they did their, their, the example that they did in the Model UN, they did it first with the current Security Council and the veto and the ridiculous way it doesn't work. <laughs> and then they did it the new way. And they, you know, they said, this is so much better anyway. Yeah. So that's, that's something that we would love to, to figure out how to do more of mm. and get it out in more, in more model UNs. And I've actually brought this up in the working group too. So yeah. with John and anyway, and that's, yeah, yeah, so that's, no, that, that's cool. Definitely. And the third thing I will say is I am so blown away by the people coming to the Young World Federalist Discord. (laughs) I mean, today I was in there just reading the introductions of people, you know, young people from all over the world and of all different stripes. And, you know, um, anyway, I just think that you guys are just awesome the way you somehow are figuring out how to reach out and pull people in. And Mm. I really... So you are the future of this movement, and I am just delighted to be able to partner with you any way we can, and and uh, learn yeah. from you, and 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 help and help you know work collaboratively together. Absolutely. No, I mean this is kind of part of the big thing that I keep trying to talk to. Whenever I meet with like the leaders of the other other organizations and things like that, or I talk to Andreas or anything, I think I'm trying to always make the point that we are sort of like. I always want to separate into two halves. There's kind of the, um, the I don't know what you call it, professional end where you kind of, what Andreas does, you know, where you're, you're marketing to ministers, to government officials, to NGO heads, to whatever. You're making this really professional, written up, lots of essays, lots of books kind of approach, which works amazingly well for them. But it's the other side is what we do, which is kind of like being this big vacuum cleaner that just pulls all these people in that are all over the place in all these different places. And the thing is, a lot of them are just kind of what you'd call casual members. But the thing is, you need those to form the community because then they just talk about stuff. Um, And then from that pool, you occasionally find the really talented people who are really committed and really interested. Um, And that's how we ended up with like, Esten and Andreas Hemeter and all that, um, all these people that are just helping out a lot. Um, and now Esten's the director for us um, because he does most of the work now. I mostly just appear on here and meet with people and, and try to keep things going in the right direction. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's all grown because we've just been this big vacuum cleaner and we, we want to be the vacuum cleaner for the whole movement, which is like, pulling everyone in, making videos, making social media content, just all the really, really publicly, you know, digestible stuff. So then people come in and then they go, okay, now what can I do? And then that's obviously the segue to here's the UMPA, here's this campaign, here's this movement, what are his model UMPA, whatever it is. Like the thing is all of that happens once you get them in and they're already interested. Cause obviously you can't take someone who's completely, I guess, doesn't know what it is and pull them straight into the UMPA because they need quite a bit of, I guess, education or introduction. And so we're sort of trying to be the introducers. Um, And then obviously it can go from there. So yeah, it's just, yeah, we're not trying to, um, and this is the thing I'm always having with Andreas that like, there's gotta be a way we can organize this properly so that we can kind of have the job of pulling people in and then they go and do stuff with you. 
because you're using the develop model and we're using the pull people in and get them excited model. Um, yeah, anyway, I think there is lots of room for us all to work together. And that's sort of part of what our plans around, you know, bringing things together into a coalition or something are, is it's basically just how do we make this work as a holistic entity um, where we're all doing the things that we do best. <clears throat> um, so my fourth question, and I may not get through all these questions, but that's why I just wrote a whole lot of them. Um, so my fourth one was, what do you see as the biggest impediment to the global movement today in terms of all the organizations, the movement, just getting it to somewhere else? Like, what do you see in the day-to-day -day lives, what you're encountering, what you're dealing with um, as the biggest issue that we need to try and solve? Uh, obviously, that's a big question. <laughs> but um, We specialize in big mind, questions. Exactly, exactly. That's exactly it. So if anything comes to mind, we can just ramble from that. But I'm just sure. curious to know what you guys think. <clears throat> See, uh, Donna, I'm happy to lead off unless you want it this time. <laughs> okay, Please great. Go. So, uh, so sure. Well, I, I will um, kind of divide the answer into two parts. Mm -hmm. uh, one, in a sense, is the, um, the resistance or the headwind from outside and then mm -hmm. the issues from the inside. So yep. from the outside, um, I think everybody, uh, you know, again, all of your audience would be uh, or, or are aware of the rise over the last decade or so of what's been called, you know, nationalism, populism, mm. Trumpism, authoritarianism, it, yeah. you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, some years ago, I mean, not too long ago, maybe about four or five years ago, I was at, um, at a World Federalist Movement meeting in Europe, and um, we had a, a few days before, I was there earlier, and went to a meeting in Brussels. Uh, the UN's public information office uh, mm. in Europe is located in Brussels, mm -hmm. and they were holding a meeting. Um, it was almost like a crisis meeting. Sorry, of that's my How dog. do these, oh, okay, well, we can interview the dog too. <laughs> get him on, on here. Sorry, keep going. Um, so there's no problem. So th there was this meeting the, the UN was holding on how should we be responding to this rising trend of nationalism, you know? And there were probably about 50 people there who were ambassadors and international attorneys and whatever. And it was interesting to see how, you know, how many people, uh, not just on in our movement, but in more kind of mainstream, you know, global governance things, we're agonizing over this and, and how difficult um, it is for the world right now who has been, you know, th those members of the world who are trying to work together and coordinate across boundaries and all yeah. that. So I, I think that kind of, you know, headwind um, Absolutely. Is, is probably our, our biggest obstacle. Now, some people say, you know, the way you interpret that is um, there are different ways to interpret it. You know, some people say, you know, oh, my God, that's that may be the new normal. You know, we, we may really be, you know, having this problem from here on where other people say, oh, no, this is kind of the last gasp of, you know, patriarchy and, uh, you know, an empire and all that. Mm. And we're seeing it go through its dying stages and this is what it looks like when it's dying. You know, it's trying mm. to exert more control. So uh, my, my crystal ball is rather fuzzy. So I'm not sure yeah. which of the 
which of those predictions is true, um, but certainly we'll do whatever we can to make the make it be the latter one. You know mm. that we're we're entering a new stage rather than this being the new normal. Mm. So anyway, so and and with with that problem comes you know lack of funding and 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 other issues. Of course, so that's yeah. from the outside. From the inside, probably the the, the biggest issue, or, or at least one of them is the fact that we have been, the different organizations have been so siloed and mm. haven't worked as coalitions. So, yeah. um, so this is a real promising, you know, we get together once a year and meet and talk mm. and debate and all that stuff, but we really haven't looked much, aside from like the ICC and one or two things that stand out, mm. we haven't looked a lot at projects on a day-to-day -day scale. Mm. Um, of different, you know, public education projects, or how do we do messaging, um, you know, things of that sort. So, so that uh, we haven't done that. Yeah, so the si siloedness is part of it, and you know, a lot of these um, are small nonprofits with small staffs and small budgets. Mm. So there's the the resource issue as well. We know that um, problem. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that's there, and and just to, to add one more is, you know, if you're doing something like putting food in someone's mouth or mm. putting a roof over their head, it's mm. really easy to explain what you're doing. Now, yeah, of course. Raise funds and all that. But to, do, to talk about something that seems more abstract and far off, mm. um, and that's a, a harder sell. Mm. And, and it, it requires a fair amount of education that the other kind doesn't require. Yeah. Immediately, you know, a starving child. It, it, it there, there's no question about that. No, that, that requires you know. It's very straightforward. Changing the way the world governs itself, so you don't have the starving children. That's a harder one to explain. Mm. So, 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 so those are some of the impediments and issues uh, that we face. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And I think that's. I think to speak to both of the points, I think the thing with the rise of nationalism and everything, obviously a lot of it is because of the divide that we've sort of seen mm -hmm. between sort of the developed parts of the West and the un and the maybe less developed parts, like, you know, the parts that have kind of lost all their traditional employment streams and everything. And they're kind of backlashing against all the change. I think a lot of it is about how we explain what world federalism is. You know, you, you put it into a digestible format and explain that this actually has solutions to those problems. We're not just exacerbating the things that maybe have happened as well. Um, Cause obviously that is a big issue all over the world. And I think it's part of what's fueled populism is the mm -hmm. idea that any kind of globalist cooperation right. system is going to make things worse, not better. And it's counter selling that it's kind of going against it and explaining it better. And yeah, with the silo thing, I completely agree. And that's, that's sort of what being our big mission is um, we've been trying to um, fix that because we think like when we see other movements, when we're like in, in our age group, like we go and look at Extinction Rebellion or whatever it is. And the thing is you look at all these different movements and they're all very coordinated. They, um, they have people doing what they do best. They have the amount of, uh, I guess you'd call it autonomy that they need to have at different levels, but there is still definitely a clear interplay cooperation whatever you want to call it um that feeds into itself and obviously extinction rebellion london does something extinction rebellion sydney can say yep this is this is the thing we're a part of and it's very clearly is same logos same name same everything it's just the link is there and it really helps it to market itself and there's a lot of things we're trying to fix it one uh, we're trying to help like 
make better, I suppose. I know fix might not be the right word, but the thing is, we want the WFM to do all this stuff, but we're just not sure what they are or aren't doing. So we figured, look, yeah. we'll see what we can fix and what we can't, and hopefully we can um, make this more cohesive because that's what people want to join, right? Like when they look, mm -hmm. when they find this movement, and part of the reason they get so excited is because it looks so cohesive. I mean, the YWF tries to project this cohesiveness between the global movement because we've got people everywhere. Um, we're basically trying to say, look, join us and be a part of this big thing. And people want to join it because it's big and it looks cool and, and they didn't know it existed. And if you look small, people just don't get as excited. They want to be part of the big thing. I don't know. It's it's It seems to be working, but obviously it's a work in progress. Um, anyway, Donna. Well, the, I guess the only, my only twist or, or addition to all mm. the great things Bob said, I love following Bob because I can, he covers <laughs> like most of the important points. And if I think of anything else, it feels yep. like gravy. But um, <laughs> is that a, for me, one of the challenges, Frank, speaking frankly, has mm. been, you know, that there are so many different paths to a world federation. Mm. And often people, that could be a good thing, you know, if you embrace all the paths and just sort of feel like, okay, whoever breaks through first will all jump on your path. But there are a lot of really passionate people about, you know, what's the right way. And, and, mm. and not everyone, not everyone embraces, let's be a big tent. And, mm. um, so I, I think the more we can do to sort of embrace the big tent and embrace mm. all the different paths and, and say, look at, we're all, you know, so I, I think I, I feel like if we had a, yeah, if you said it actually, Daniel, if we could clearly articulate, you know, like our, a good vision of, of not only what we want, how are we going to get there? Mm. That would, that, I think that would help. But we can't agree on that, and maybe yeah. maybe that's okay because we don't really know the best path. Mm. I don't know, but that is to me that's an impediment that we have this great idea, we just don't exactly know how we're going to get there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, I think the thing is to just identify between the organizations because there are discrepancies, and obviously people have certain approaches that just don't match another approach. But I think. It's about, again, separating the thing into the popular and an evolved front, I guess you call it, or educated front. It's, um, there is, what, what I sort of see when I see every organization um, and over the past couple of years when we've really been looking into this and especially the last year, but we've seen that every organization is basically doing the same things in terms of trying to get people in. It's just that they're doing different things in terms of the campaigns and methodologies they support in terms of actually getting there once people are in. Um, so the key is, and the way I see it, is that everyone should be doing, there should be some mega central thing that we're all a part of in terms of getting people in because everyone is doing the same thing. They're all making videos. They're all trying to make slick websites that explain it to the public. They're all trying to do basically the exact same things. It's just, they're all doing them differently. Kind of like how there's 40 space agencies trying to do the same thing every day. Um, it's uh, sort of the same thing that's going on. It's just that where they should diverge is then saying, okay, now that you're in and you're excited, you should be, we think that the right path is going down this campaign or this methodology. These guys think this methodology, whatever it is. But once they're in the door and they're excited about world federalism, like you've already won most of the battle. It's like, because the thing, if you think about it, the second any opportunity exists for any of those methods to work, 
because something's going on or there's an event or something. It makes such a big difference if you've got 50,000 people who are excited about world federalism that you can throw out this thing. Like, like just turn up and vote for this thing or, or turn up and protest this thing, whatever it is. You need that pool. You need that communal pool. And the thing is, I think we need to be cooperating and working together to create that pool and then we can direct them to campaigns as they become prevalent, I suppose. Um, and again, that's sort of what we see is the purpose of the um, the coalition. Well, originally we saw it as the WFM, but we don't really know what's going on. So that's an evolving question, though. That, that, that's something that's um, being developed over time. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I could piggyback on that because uh, mm. I've, I've certainly you know, th thought about that issue as well. And you might, um, I mean, uh, you know, you might have another podcast when you address the issue of what the different paths are. Uh, mm. So I won't go Certainly into could. that. On, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I won't go into that unless at some point you want us to. But, mm. but, but suffice, suffice to say, there are about four or five different schools of thought mm. on how to reach a world federation. And that awesome. Yeah, please. This is a great time for this. There, there are people who argue, you know, from you know, you know, yours is yours is wrong, ours is right. <laughs> but the way the way I, I've thought about that is is like how great it would be if instead of small groups arguing, that there would be, you know, fifty or a hundred thousand or five hundred thousand people feeling we should reform the UN. That's the way. Mm. And then another 500,000 thinking, no, no, we should create a world constitution, you know, and then mm. a half a million thinking we should unite them, you know. So if we could instead have everybody, I think this is what you were saying, in the movement. Exactly. And then, uh, you know, so, so advancing the world to the point, oh, we want this. Mm. Now the only question is how. Yeah. And that, that's different, very different than we don't even know about it. You yeah, know, exactly. Or we don't want it. So if everyone could want it, and now we're debating how, man, you've moved the world ahead mm. one big leap. Exactly. So, uh, uh, so I was worried at, at one point because it, 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 you know, it, it seemed to be a problem. But now we are breaking down barriers. I mean, in this last um, convention we had, we had people from different schools of thought talking to each other civilly and whatever, mm. and we're learning from that. Mm. Um, so, so I think really, I mean, this really backs up with what you said a moment ago, Daniel, is let's get them in the door, you mm. know, and then when they're in the door, then we, we've moved the, the, the dialogue forward and yeah. then we can take the next step. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's the thing. Like you think of any conversation you have with the public, the first question you, you could be explaining, like, this is my path to UN reform. But the thing is, the first question that people are going to have is, what is world federalism? I don't even know what that topic is. Mm -hmm. And then you have to explain that. And I think a lot of that we spend, historically, I think we spent a lot of time or way too much time focusing on this high-end point where only people who already know about it are really engaged yeah. in the conversation. Um, and yeah, the thing is, if you suddenly had a really successful, I mean environmentalism is a great example right like you have all these different organizations now pursuing it all these different groups trying to make it happen in different ways and spokespeople and, and ngos and everything else but really i mean you think back to where it all started and it was sort of the inconvenient truth not an inconvenient truth and stuff around there there was this explosion of awareness that suddenly happened around the, the oh, urgency so you, of the climate crisis. your age, for those of us who are a little bit older, it was Rachel My generation, anyway. <laughs> Science Silent Spring, written yep. decades before. 
yeah. uh, Al Gore did the Inconvenient Truth. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's the same thing. Like, it's these media things. It, it's yeah. these things that like books, movies, whatever it is, it's stuff that sort of permeates this idea that there is an issue and there is some kind of solution to it. And then people get really engaged with the idea of this solution. They're like, oh, this is a problem. And I'd love for that to happen. And then they sit down and figure out how are they actually going to do it. At the moment, like we need people to sit down and even want to figure it out. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's why I'm, I'm the whole time that I've been involved, I've been extremely enthusiastic about getting everyone on the same page so they can sort of cooperate and, you know, make this happen because I think it'll be a game changer if all of us at least are working together as kind of like a holistic organism to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, thank you. Those are good answers. Um, so my fifth question, which I love asking people this, because I ask everyone who comes on the podcast this, uh, which is basically if you were like, I don't know what the word is, if you had absolute control, like I'm going to imagine this is a scenario where you have mind control powers. So you have mind control powers and you've got absolute control of everyone in the movement for a day. So everyone in the World Federalist Movement, every sub-organization, everyone who's interested in it, you've got absolute control over it what would you get them to do like what thing would you think that they should do is like something you've probably seen you've been sitting there and thinking this would be great if we would finally do this thing properly um this is your chance you know you have absolute control what what ideas come to mind in terms of what you get them to do if anything (laughs) i mean i can answer my version first if you like Whatever. I mean, if nothing occurs, I'm waiting to, you. to see if Don, if Donna wants to go first to piggyback on me. <laughs> I like I I'm a, I like to piggyback. You okay. go first. So Bob, All if right. you have an answer, you just jump in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I I I, I don't need mind control to, to do this, but the, um, <laughs> what what I what I try to do again, your um your uh, some of your listeners may uh, have heard of something called the theory of change. Mm. Uh, but but many may not have. So I just just to say that um, it's uh, I'm sure everyone's heard of strategic planning. So a uh, the theory of change is a relatively new invention. It's a it's a planning method that I think of it as kind of strategic planning 2.0 or strategic planning on steroids. Mm-hmm. It's it's a way to do it kind of much more powerfully. I won't go into the, the technical details, but what I've tried to do um, is essentially sell the idea to WFM mm-hmm. to have to have all of their member organizations together go through a theory of change process, which would okay. force which would force them basically to get aligned, to mm. articulate what is their ultimate goal, what are the steps to getting there, um, and come to some way to essentially build a coalition out of planning together. Mm-hmm. That's really never happened. They've done strategic plans in the old fashioned way, thinking about, okay, well, what do we have to do over the next three years or the next five years? But they've never really mapped out what it is to get to the ultimate goal mm. and then kind of you know, made the roadmap of all the steps to go there. Mm. So if I, if I were... Um, you know, if I were the executive director, even without psychic powers uh, <laughs> of, of WFM, I would bring the movement through that process and get the best thinking together 
uh, mm. to make that happen. And, and then we could then you know, kind of divide and conquer. Okay, we got the plan, great. You guys in, in, in Italy, you do this part, and you yep. guys in Australia, you know, do that part, et cetera. I love it. Then there could, then there <laughs> could be true, true alignment. So that, yep. that's what I would do, with or without a superpower. Yep. Thank you. It helps, though. <laughs> yeah, it, it does help. It does help. <laughs> so, Donna, what's your, what's your piggyback this time? I don't think I want to say anything else. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, I, I will say one thing. If, if uh, one of our uh, older members of CGS, a guy named Ron Glossop, yep. if he were here, he would say he'd want everyone to learn Esperanto. Yep. I've spoken he to him about say that. <laughs> yeah. That, um, you know, that, that um, it's not fair that we expect people to learn English. Yeah. And, um, uh, there are, you know, billions of people who don't speak English and, mm. and it's so much easier to learn Esperanto. And mm. it and it really is. We did an eight week course. Uh, Ron took some of us through an eight week course and it really is easy to learn. It's amazing. The rule, there are rules and they're never broken. And it's mm. amazing. But that's, that's so good. I'll, language I'll with no breaking Ron. Rules. <laughs> yeah, it really is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so. But I think Bob's idea is uh, would yeah. be a really important one. Yeah, I think I think on basically the same idea. Um, mine's always been that I just want everyone to, um, I just get everyone to commit to a front end organization to basically say, look, this is our big shared front end that we all contribute to and we're all a part of that gets people in. And then we can all have our private back ends where we pursue campaigns or something, but just have everyone cooperate on having a front end. Because I think that's that's part of what would come out, I think, if you did do a theory of change with the whole WFM yeah. is that you would need a public face for the whole thing that is, you know, common that they can all use to market through and, and market each other. Um, yeah, that would be my one, which is basically the same thing. Um, so very happy with your um with your suggestion that was awesome i'm glad you also understood what i meant because very often people don't understand what i mean um i ended up with a very long conversation with the girls at um democracy global because <laughs> they didn't understand what i was asking <laughs> so um that was good we, we went down a few tangents with that one um so um Question number six, then, because how how long have we been on this? I think we're doing pretty well, actually. I think I don't been... know, but after ten, we get a prize, right? <laughs> you do, but it's not okay. worth anything. <laughs> oh. uh, we probably expecting... have about another ten minutes or so. Me clapping. Uh, I, I, um, I was expecting an all expenses paid trip to Australia. <laughs> I guess that's not going to happen. Oh, uh, you know, I could, but I hope it's refundable because I don't think we're letting anyone in the country yet because we don't. <laughs> I actually know because we don't have covid anymore but the thing is i really? think i think they have like a resurgence in new south wales at the moment and they're trying to Ooh. clamp it down but victoria so the state i live in which has melbourne in it which is the second biggest city um we haven't had a case for 48 days i think really wow so we're all allowed to go out and see each other for christmas and stuff which has been wow um, which has been really good but obviously it's because we were in lockdown for about four yeah. months so like we were all just not allowed to really do anything for ages, but it's gone. So yeah, you know, net win. It helps you if you're a giant island though as well. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm very sympathetic to all the people who are in Europe and America right now that haven't got that kind of freedom. Um, 
so the sixth question that I had is, um, what do you see is the easiest thing to fix that hasn't been fixed yet? Like anything that you have been seeing frequently, like we should just do this thing here um, with this part of the movement. If anything comes to mind, I mean, I guess you kind of answered already with the communication stuff, but I'm curious if anything else um, has popped up. <clears throat> I have one. I'll go first while go. Bob thinks. Absolutely. Bob, you piggyback now. So, <laughs> okay, good. Now, I, I realize that this is a, a US-centric view of the world, yeah. but I wish uh, whatever, I could get... <laughs> I, I think an easy thing to fix um, that would help us in the US is to talk about world federation rather mm. than world federalism. Because okay, yeah. we've got that problem in the U.S. with the Federalist Society mm, and yeah. the Federalist other things that are not at all re reflecting what we're about. Mm. And so it trips people up in the U.S. And, mm. um, and it's hard, hard enough to keep people straight. So mm. um, I think talking about World Federation, which sounds like a, a verb, it sounds like a better thing, you know, mm. rather than an ism. You know, yep. we want to federate the world. We want world federation. Anyway, that's my little my little thing. If I could fix one thing, and that seems like it ought to be easy, but it, it yep. isn't. Yeah, that's a good point, though. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. Like everywhere, there's probably all these tiny little changes that could be done um, that would probably make things a lot easier. And yeah, I I mean, I guess that's that's sort of my thing has always just been we need to talk more about the end goal of world federalism federation whatever the end goal a bit more <laughs> here it's not an issue in australia it's fine um so we need to talk more about the end goal and less about um you know all our publications being about methodology um because that's the kind of thing that gets people excited and you know once they're excited they will put the time in to do these things it's just that you know until they're excited it's just a lot of words on a page just like every other journal and essay and everything you'll ever bump into <clears throat> bob do you have any golden little yeah. nugget things that you would well, well um uh, you know if we're talking about um you know on the global level with the whole movement mm. i don't know that i have anything to add uh beyond what i just said uh, you know uh, about doing a, a theory of change process to actually build a strong coalition and mm -hmm. get us all aligned. To me, that would be the, 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 the main next step um, mm. on the global level. If you ask me within our organization, uh, you know, there are two or three sure. things right yeah. now that we're act, you know, working on. I mean, we're redoing our website. <clears throat> I very much want to bring on an administrative director. Um, so, you know, there, there are a couple of specific things in terms of project. Then after the website, we want to move more into video uh, and have our own webcast, which we're planning. Mm. So there are, a, a, you know, a lot of very specific things. Um, yeah. But the on the global level, it's more, you know, how to get us aligned. Mm. And I think that theory of change is a way to do it. Yeah, no, I'm glad you keep bringing this up about getting everything aligned and uh, holistic thinking, because again, that is exactly what we're trying to do with this coalition concept mm -hmm. is sort of try and get some kind of holistic thinking going with the whole organization globally. Because um, mm -hmm. we, we definitely agree. Every one of us like in the YWF is just desperate to get everything to work as a, you know, a single mm -hmm. logical unit, I suppose. Um, so, because you guys have all the networks and awesome stuff. Sorry, go ahead. 
I thought of one other thing that um, a little thing you were looking for, like, I'm not sure. Anything, anything, little, anything but, just something to change. But, um, <clears throat> is that um, like the uh, Democracy Without Borders and Citizens for Global Solutions have both come out and said, our goal is World Federation by 2045. So if we could get all the all the groups to say, that's what we want. We want to do this by the 100th mm. anniversary of the U.N. That would be cool. Mm. Yeah. OK. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly doable. Just pretty. Have you mentioned Another that in Discord? Because I'm sure a few people would be behind that. No, 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 I haven't. I haven't. I, Cause, I, cause again, I, if, I will. If you could make it something that has a similar look, like a picture that everyone could post that has the same kind of look and feel to it, then it would sort of get that that same thing of the common branding where everyone sees something that looks similar in all these different places and mm -hmm. it makes it feel like, cause again, what we're trying to project to people is there's this like sleeping Leviathan under the water that people aren't really sure is there, but then they start seeing little hints of it and they're like, Oh, is this big secret world federalist movement that I, that is just below the surface that I desperately want to get to it and see it and be a part of it. Um, a bit of it's, it's fear of missing out. I don't know if you've heard of FOMO, but that's exactly what we try to capitalize on is um, people realizing that there's this big thing going on and you're missing out when you're not a part of it. Um, so, all right, well, I'm going to find one more question then to hit you guys with. Uh, uh, which one am I going to pick? Because now the pressure's on me. Uh, okay, no, I'm just going to jump straight to the last question. Um, are there any questions or topics that you would like us to cover on the podcast or that you guys would like to come back and talk about um, specifically? Because the thing is, if I can actually plan, I can pick people out that might want to come on and contribute as well. Um, are there anything that you would like to talk about on here or you'd like us to cover? <clears throat> Donna, want to go first or you want me to? <laughs> yeah. You go well, first. <laughs> Two things that we alluded to but didn't get into mm -hmm. um, is one, of course, you know, what are the different proposed paths to a world federation? That'd be a I don't great know topic. If you yeah. <clears throat> talk about that or not, but would, uh, you know, we could certainly do that. Mm. And another is that they're, they're not only arguments or, or debates around different paths, but they're also debates around what the world federation itself would look like. Mm -hmm. Now, we, won't, we wouldn't know that until there's kind of a World Constitutional Congress that comes together um, and, and ha hammers it out, in a sense, over some people predict it'll be like a two-year process. Um, but nevertheless, there have been different proposals for what it could or should look like. Mm. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not the expert on that. I do know kind of, I know what the main proposals are. I don't know that I could explain them all in detail. Mm. But having people um, who have written about this, you know, that would be another thing mm. to do. So, so there's the path to getting there. And then there's what there looks like, mm. <laughs> you know, what once we are there, uh, yeah. what, what does this global governance structure look like? Mm. Um, and, and then, of course, there, there is the whole myriad of topics of, you know, how, once we had it, how would it help the environment? How would it end war? Mm. How would guarantee human rights you know yeah. how we handle the income gap and the you know i mean all of the different global problems that we say this will handle well how would it handle those things mm. so the, the, that's a whole string of other things that can be talked about yeah we've we've actually touched on a few but i haven't 
what I could probably do actually is make like a series that has like maybe five in a row on specific topics and get some people in that would know quite a bit about each one. So that could actually be a really good idea um, to do the methods and then that stuff sort of in a row. Um, I, 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 and that's the thing is you guys would be more than welcome to come back and talk about any particular section that you think you might have um, expertise on. So um, I'll, I'll get in touch when I figure that out. Um, yeah. Donna, do you have any um, of your own? Nothing to add. Actually, the one I was going to say was, um, and I don't know that it has to follow the others, but I, I think taking, you know, how would the world work better? How, mm. how would the environment, how could we deal with the environment better if we had a World Federation? And mm. how would the pandemic have gone down if we really had a World Federation? And, mm. and you know, like, how could we eliminate the space forces we're creating? And, and <laughs> you know, how, anyway, so I... Um, I feel like that's a way to entice people in to mm. the movement, you know, to get them thinking about, you know, and, ha you know, um, so anyway, but that, yeah. but Bob said it. So, I mean, I mean, that, that touches on the thing I've said before is that like, it's a thing you learn in sales that you need to sell the product. Uh, sorry. You need to sell the end result of the product. Sorry, right. is a better way to say it is basically yeah, right. you're not really talking about the thing or the price or anything in the meantime, you're selling the end result what their life is going to be like once they have it and everything's working. And then they're like, Oh, right. that's worthwhile. And then you come back and go through what it is and how you get there. And it's sort right. of like, right. I think that's a big part of what we need to do more of and having it topic based is a great way to do it. Cause you're like, Oh, this is how we can solve this thing. And this is what it would look like once it's solved. And this is how things would work. And then people say, that's exciting. So then you say, okay, well, this is what we need to do to get there. Um, and they're willing to listen once they're excited about the thing. No one will listen until they're excited because listening takes energy and short attention spans and everything else. Um, so, um, yeah. If, so, if I looking. can comment on that. Yeah. Mm. Th th that we, you know, if you kind of draw the distinction of means and ends, mm. that our, um, our movement as a whole has been overly fixated on the means mm. and really not, not talking enough about the ends. So I, I think we need to, to do that because uh, people are trying to sell World Federation rather than sell clean water, peace, mm. clean air, you know, yeah. that kind of, you know, everybody wants those things, no argument <laughs> there. Yeah. You only get into trouble when you try to sell World Federation. Mm. So, um, so, yeah, so I, I think we, we don't focus enough on the ends. We mm. get enamored with our means yeah. and then get in trouble. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I absolutely agree. And I think that's a big part of, and again, we try to make videos around that. We try to make our videos around the idea that this is where it's going and this is where it's getting to. And then, okay, you're interested now. Let's explain how. Um, anyway, um, that sort of ends the podcast episode which is introducing you guys and cgs and having a quick chat about everything um uh, i would love to have you guys back to talk about some of these topics that we've mentioned um and i will definitely be in touch but if there's any last words you guys want to chuck in um otherwise I'm, I'm happy to just call it quits but up to you guys i'd like to just say thank you um <laughs> it really has been fun yeah. Thank you for interviewing us. This is, it's always, no I love working with Bob and it's fun to piggyback on him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I also just want to say um, how much I appreciate the Young World Federalist. Mm. And I can't thank you enough for the energy you are bringing to me 
Mm. Um, as I work here in Cincinnati, you know, locked in because of the pandemic. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, it's just wonderful to, to you know, I, you really are the future of the movement. And mm. I'm just so delighted that you have appeared on the scene because we've been, you know, wondering how we are going to keep this going. So yeah. I, we really appreciate it. So thank it. you. <laughs> Don't worry. Oh, yeah. I think everyone involved with our thing listens to this, so they'll all hear your kind words. So thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I, I just want to echo what Donna said, and, mm. and I really have seen, um, you know, your, your wisdom and your leadership and your energy, um, you know, in, in, in play here. So, um, mm. you know, not just today, but in all the conversations we've had and the work you've done. I, I want to let you know, I, I still expect that trip to Australia at some point. So at, at, at least I'll get it. I want a good tour out of it. Uh, you can have a two week trip because all... we have a 14 day quarantine and then you just uh, have to leave it. <laughs> okay. Um, no, thank you very much. I feel a bit like Kim Jong-un sitting here getting all this praise, but um, it's all right. Mm. <laughs> um, so thank you guys very much. And yes, we appreciate all the work that everyone's been doing. So obviously you guys have been here for decades you know, putting the work in and putting the time in. And um, we're sort of just coming in and trying to gap fill, essentially, um, finding where the holes are and patching them up and making the whole thing just sort of cooperate a bit better and putting that useful front end slickness onto it, I suppose. But the meat's always been there. Um, anyway, uh, thank you very much for coming on. And it's been great having you here. I will talk to you all again soon. Okay. All right.